Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Valley Transportation. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 or go to valleytransinc.com for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. This podcast is also brought to you by AgDirect. No matter how you buy your ag equipment from a dealer, auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving Iron. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. Marcus with Sean Hackett. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire, helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. For more information, go to axontire.com. Also, if you'd like to get a free pocket knife from the people at Axon, go to marketing at axontire.com and they'll send you a free Alliance pocket knife so you can take advantage of this offer by going to marketing at axontire.com and make sure you mention that. Uh, you heard it on the Moving Iron podcast. Also, Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 or go to valleytransinc.com for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. And no matter how you buy ag equipment from a dealer, auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. Sean is with Hackett Financial out of Boca Raton, Florida, and he's nice, nice enough to come on a couple times a week to talk about what's going on in the marketplace. And, Sean, I'm sure it's like just barely above zero there in Florida right now. It's cold everywhere, and uh, I'm sure you're, you got your park on and you're, and you're ready to – snuggle down it's, for the it's, day. It's, it's barely above seven zero. Mm. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. yeah just, by, the way, that, by the way, that pocket knife is great for cutting lemons. Just wanted to let you know that. Yeah. <laughs> I bet I bet it is. Uh, right through. I mean, it's like a Ginsu knife, but right, right it's, through. It's beautiful. It's a nice right edge through. on that on that piece yeah. of steel, right? There you go. Yeah, I'm sure it's significantly warmer there in Florida than it is where I'm at right now. We got that cold blast you've been talking about coming through the country right now. Uh, we got a little bit of snow out of this deal, and, and like you said, you know, this is going to be that, that – that push that you talk about, that polar vortex, which you've been talking about. And this one dipped down pretty far south, you know, and, and we were seeing some some pretty big temperatures across the country. So talk about that a little bit. Well, we get, we're getting another stretch of the polar vortex. Like we've been getting all winter long. We keep mm-hmm. getting this persistent cold pattern. We are we have begun a sudden stress for a warming event that we spoke about last week that should peak at the end of the month. That could um, lead into a pole, actual polar vortex like last February where a piece of the polar vortex breaks off and you get not just really, really cold, like insane, unimaginable cold. Um, that would be set up for later in March into the middle part of April. So, so we think this stretch is going to continue to go on and keep things cold, but we would be on the lookout for late March into mid April for a really, really unusual anomalous, crazy polar vortex event that, uh, you know, would certainly create, record cold and potentially record snowfall 
when we're trying to get the crop planted here in the United States. I, I went back to 1973 just because this is what I do for a living, right? Mm-hmm. And um, um, I looked at the one of the catalysts, one of the biggest moves in grain markets of all time was the uh, bull market move from 1973 to 1974. And one of the catalysts for that was a historic blizzard in the Midwest in the April. They call it the April 73 blizzard that set records for the region to this day set records and was at one of the coldest snowiest April's on record, but was one of the big catalysts for that historic move on top of it. Then the Russians were out of grain and, and did it what they call the great Russian grain robbery, where they bought a massive amount of our grain a few months later. And of course, this was a time that the dollar was being devalued against gold. So you had these three bullish factors culminated to create to this day, one of the greatest, uh, bull market moves and gray markets that we've ever seen. And, and so no one can say that that, you know, if and when that will happen again, but we do know the dollar has been devalued against Bitcoin in a way that it was devalued against gold back then. So the, you could argue that's some form of devaluation that um, the market's starting to worry about this inflationary component. And if our forecast is right, we may be set up for one of these historic April winters where we get blizzards and, you know, could set off what was set off in, in April of 1973. And of course, no one really knows what's going on in China. I don't even know if the people in China know what's going on in China. But there's a very good chance they may be short of grain. Uh, we do know that uh, there's a lot of anecdotal evidence that they never had as much grain as they claim to have. Um, and it's possible that given the poor crops in South America, if our planting season were to become chaotic, like we think may be the case, you know, they could panic by the button and, and, and do a China grain robbery like Russia did um, back in 1973. It's an interesting parallel. Um, I'm, you know, like I said, we're not forecasting all those elements to come together because it's impossible to say they will. But it's a possible scenario that one needs to be mindful of to see if these pieces fall into place. It's very interesting. It's something to pay attention to because that would be a, that would have a huge, especially with, with the uh, – stocks the, the way they are you know if someone came in and bought a big a big chunk of that right up that would do it a pretty amazing things for uh for prices right now all right let's jump and talk about the uh some geopolitical stuff uh we got a pretty good history lesson yesterday from vladimir putin about ukrainian neo-nationalism really not a country and the donetsk and luhansk uh breakaway regions of ukraine are actually now uh, uh recognized countries um uh by the by the russian uh government there so um kind of put the world into a tailspin yesterday markets all over the place uh oil like we were talking about earlier oil oil went way up now it's coming back down grain prices overnight were way up now they've given that all back we are in that uh that yo-yo of, of are they aren't they effect right now sean so talk about what we see happening there you know it, 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 and even if they were to invade, um, you know, so what does it mean? You know, are they, are they really going to constrain Ukrainian exports? I don't know. Are, you know, I, I don't, you know, no one knows exactly what happened, but I do know they do need money. So uh, obviously with oil prices being as high as they are, they're making a lot of money selling crude oil right now that the Russians are. But, they, you know, I mean, they do need to sell wheat and stuff. I mean, it's not like... They, you know, they need. They don't need to sell those things. So it's just a question of, do they? Do, do, is there a disruption in that supply 
short-term or not, I still come back to the idea that, you know, I forget, I think I read Biden saying, you know, that he's given the order, he's going. I just believe that's a bunch of nonsense. I don't believe he's given any orders. I don't believe he would he would telegraph his invasion. I just don't think, I think he's a guy like that, as seasoned and as, as rich with historical context that he has, that he's going to go in when everyone is already telling the world he's going. I, I just doesn't sit right with me that he would go in at such a obvious time that everyone is anticipating. It just seems to me he's milking the environment for maximum leverage in the short run to get concessions of what he wants, but that he might move in at a later date. I'm not saying he's not, doesn't want to do it. I'm not saying he's not going to do it. I just don't think he's going to do it now. Right. I think he's going to get close until he figures he's extracted enough flesh in, in, in concessions that he'll kick the can down and say, yeah, we're not doing it now. And then when everyone's looking the other way, then he'll come in and, and, and do it. Because the, the, the shock factor, the uncertainty shock factor of an invasion is really a key element that he would not have this time. So that's my two cents worth. I'm no geopolitical expert, but that's my two cents worth trying to look at it from what I think, you know, is a historical context. Yeah. So. All right. So a question about, so I was thinking about this last night when I was driving home and, you know, from listening to a couple of different people and, and just thinking about when they were, what they were talking about it and the, the transfer of funds, you know, worldwide, if sanctions were put in place and, um, they did something with with you know Swift accounts and, and said, all right, cool, we're not gonna we're not gonna wire any U.S. dollars in for oil or or any of those kind of things. You're gonna have to use some other you know rubles or whatever it is to to pay for all that stuff and then find dollars to exchange for oil and in in you know as U.S. dollars the is the world reserve currency. What do you think that would do to you know, especially wheat with it being be in Russia and then the amount of wheat that comes out of there, what do you think that would do to the uh, overall pressure on wheat or, or the upside to wheat? Um, I mean, I think at the end of the day, I mean, it's, it's really a question of, you know, look, if, if China is going to buy. Right. China will buy, right? So, I mean, it's no secret that the Biden administration, and it's an historical um, policy that we put sanctions on countries we don't like. I mean, we do this all the time. Mm-hmm. Never seems to do anything any good, but we just always do it. And um, so they know this is coming. This is not, a, once again, no shock factor here, right. no surprise. So they have to have a contingency plan to say, okay, if this is going to happen, then, you know, China needs all this stuff. Um, it would take the pressure off having to rely on the United States to, if they said, okay, you know, we're going to sell all this stuff just to China and China alone, we're not selling anything to anybody else. We're not, you know, I mean, I, I just, I don't think it's going to change the complexion of wheat, in my opinion. What I do think has been happening is the fear over all this invasion. I do think that a lot of wheat farmers in Ukraine have been selling just in case they're locked up from selling going forward, not knowing what's going to happen. I mean, I think there's been a front end loading of sales in advance of what might be an uncertain period. Um, and that I actually think has kept the wheat price down actually, you know, cause we've had a correction uh, in wheat over this period of time that either they go in or don't go in. I think those sales are going to dry up. Meaning I think whoever had to sell or wanted to sell has sold what they wanted. And now they're going to, they'll, they'll keep what they have and see what happens. So 
I think either way this goes, the lack of forward selling in advance of this uncertainty period might actually create a higher price of wheat either way, with, with either way that this thing goes. Okay. All right. So sticking with the energy side over here a little bit, kind of a big thing for Europe. You know, we're, we're already in a uh, uh, high-priced natural gas area anyway. And then news overnight is that they're deciding to halt the uh, Nord Stream 2 pipeline, um, which is basically a new pipeline bringing natural gas out of Russia. Um, Germany says they have a secure supply of, of uh, natural gas, but surely this is going to do something with the natural gas price. We could see a big spike up here, uh, probably you know near term, but long term, wait and see what happens there, I guess. Another geopolitical volleyball thing. Um, I mean, winter is near, you know, we're getting near the end of winter. Um, we've already had the big spike. I mean, natural gas prices, you know, up at 30 and $40 is insane. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah. I, you know, it's just, it's, can you imagine the outrage if we had $10 natural gas in this country and they've, they've been dealing with 30 or 40 now for two years now, this is, it happened last winter too, by the way. I mean, can you imagine $10 we'd have, we'd have people rally, you know, protesting in the streets over 10 and they have 40. So, I mean, the, the price of natural gas has reacted. Um, you know, we're, we're selling them as much as we can. Our, our natural gas uh, capacity is going to grow 30% this coming season. So, I mean, next year we're going to be, next winter, we'll be able to sell them 30% more than we sold them this year. Um, I, you know, uh, Russia, you know, wants to sell natural gas. It's profitable to sell natural gas to, to Europe. They want to continue to do that. So, I, in the end, I don't, I'll be on, like I said, beyond a short-term factor, I think that'll all get resolved, and um, because it's it's in Russia's best interest to keep selling natural gas to to Russia to the EU. All he wants to make sure is he gets enough of what he wants uh, during this period where he thinks he has the upper hand. Right on. So. All right, let's uh, let's jump down and talk about what's going on in the protein markets. Uh, cold storage report came out later this afternoon. Uh, thoughts there? Any any big um, any big surprises you see coming down the pike there on that? On cold storage? Yeah. I don't really think so. I mean, we, we have no cold storage of pork. We have no cold storage of beef. We haven't had any right. since the pandemic hit. We're not going to have any. There's, right. not, there's no animals. We're exporting, you know, and cattle are exporting record amounts. Demand is strong. So, you know, there's no hope of building those. So I, I'm not anticipating anything outrageous there. Uh, orange juice cold storage stocks are at, you know, 15-year lows. With poor Brazilian crops, second year in a row, I don't see anything changing there. Demand for orange juice, as an example, is up 15.7% pre-virus in 2019, the pre-virus year. So elevated demand continues. You know, I'm not sure, you know, only thing that, you know, maybe cheese cold storage stocks can grow a little bit uh, because we are producing, you know, we are in the excess season. But that's that's to be expected this time of year. So I, I don't really think there's anything... Um, I'm not looking for anything noteworthy in the cold storage port that I'm that I can see, other than just showing that we have insufficient supplies for most things. Yep. All right. I read, a, I read an article this morning talking about hogs a little bit and that they're that they're due for correction. And you've talked about this run up into March and what that looks like. What are your thoughts there? And, and do you see a correction coming here in in the next uh, next month or so? Well, <clears throat> remember, um, the hog herd is no bigger today than it was five years ago. Um, and we have very strong domestic demand, as we know. 
because of reopening and you know all the all that we know about the food service and the relative cheapness of pork relative to beef and all that sort of thing. So so so, and we have no cold cold store stocks as we just established. So that got to no. So now remember, exports are exports are down. China's exports are way down. Global exports, our exports are way down. So we are rationing exports, but it's not enough yet, um, given the lack of animals to process. Um, we're heading into the grilling season, so the market is trying to get ahead of the curve, and are trying to uh, hit domestic demand. I mean, they're trying to 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 like ration domestic demand enough to buy time to hopefully start to see the hog herd rebuild later this year. Um, have they done enough? I think they've done a lot. I mean, if, if I'm looking at the 125 area, I'm, I'm trying to eyeball where, where I think the high was in recent years um, on the nearbys. You know, when, you know, we're not too far away from that, I guess what I'm getting at. We're, we're in that, you know, we're, we're approaching that 120, 125 area that has tended to be able to put the genie back in the bottle. And given that I think we're going to have a slowing economy later this year, Federal Reserve's increasing interest rates, interest rates across the border going up, they're, reducing, they're going to be reducing liquidity, all this inflation is hurting disposable income. It all says to me that we've probably done a good portion of what needs to be done, but the market's not going to give way here, Casey, until it sees one of two things. Domestic demand backing off, which is pork cutouts. I mean, you know, when you see the pork cutout price backing off, they want to see that, and they want to start seeing that we're building the hog herd again here domestically. So that's the one-two punch to put this GD back in the bottle. Um, but I think we're pretty. You know, I think we might, you know we might be, you know, three quarters of the way through the demand rationing move that needed to take place to get through the higher demand grilling season for now. So if I'm a producer, you know, this is a price level you need to start protecting downside price rate. You know, whether it's cash sales, whether it's put options. However you want to do it, but I mean, this is a price that you know you can't time the top perfectly. You can't sell it all at the top, but I think we're far enough along that this is a price level you want to lock in. You don't want to lose this price, um, as it might go away very rapidly later this year. So, right on. Well, Sean, good stuff as usual, and there's a there is a lot to pay attention to here. So, if uh, folks want to reach out and talk to you, I mean, there's another even talking about another rate hike coming in in or a rate hike coming in March that you know they were going to start that in in the summer months. So it's uh, a lot of things are, are, are all coming together here. So folks want to reach out to you, get more information about what it is you're doing at Hackett Financial. What's the best way to do that? Our website is Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. We have podcasts, we have video interviews, sample reports, white papers, all kinds of things to give a good understanding of what we do to see if we could be of value to your listeners. Okay. Make sure you check that out, folks. It's well worth your time to, to listen to, to Sean's podcast and, and re- read those white papers. There's tons of good information there. So, All right. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It's where you find the latest editions of the Moving Iron Podcast. Also, go to LinkedIn as well. I always forget to throw that in there, but I have a have a, I post everything on LinkedIn as well. You can find Sean on LinkedIn as well, too. So uh, everyone has a pretty good presence there. So make sure you check that out. Also go to uh, on the Moving Iron LLC website. Check out the Moving Iron Summit coming up in Nashville, Tennessee, September 6th, 7th, and 8th. Um, any dealers welcome to come to that. Um, anyone that that's interested in uh, talking about you know sales-related stuff, networking with, with people across uh, the North American uh 
continent here. Uh, make sure you check that out. Sean will be there. He'll be giving a talk about what's coming up here as we switch from La Nina to El Nino and, and what that looks like. So, Sean, looking forward to that. And, uh, you know, I, I guess we're starting to see a little bit of that transitional switch right now, but it will be full-blown by the time the, the Moving Iron Summit comes around. Oh, yeah. By, by that time, we're going to be really rapidly moving into a much different weather pattern and um, much different markets impacted in much different ways. And there's going to be, we're going to be warning about some downside price risks in a lot of markets after a two-year period where we've been fairly bullish most things. There's going to be some, some need to, to be thinking about what the downside might look like in a El Nino uh, weather pattern. And that, you know, that's as, just as important of a talk as, as the upside is. So. Right on. Okay. Well, plenty of good stuff to pay attention to. A lot of information coming your way for the rest of this year. So, Sean, I appreciate you being on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Casey. Look forward to being here on Thursday. Right on, man. I'm Casey Seymour, Sean Hackett. Let's go move some iron, folks. Out. Axon Tire is going to have more tips, tricks, and client advice throughout the year and in September at the Moving Iron Summit in Nashville. If you're looking to sign up for the event, please head over to movingironllc.com. We hope to see you there. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 or go to valleytransitinc.com for all of your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. And no matter how you buy ag equipment from a dealer, auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. Moving iron in the 21st century